Welcome back to episode 33 of Everything Aviation Podcast. Today's episode is slightly different. We do have a guest on, a Giles Fowler from the Flight Briefing Room. is coming on to talk about skill fade and how we can prevent it. And, and not, no shame putting your hand up saying, I do need to practice this more. Before we do that though, I just want to give a Warbird Coffee a shout out and a massive thank you again. They do give me the brain capacity to fuel these podcasts. And they are such good coffee as well. Being a coffee lover myself, I can't get enough of them. But if you do fancy some kick-ass warbird coffee please head over to their website be it in the uk or america they've got stuff for everyone and they have really cool apparel if that is your thing but now let's jump into this episode and find out what skill fades all about giles welcome back to the podcast it's been a while since you've been on here it, it has indeed i'm in a different location i'm actually in the living room without the flight briefing room behind me and you're in the new flat it's been that long ago since um since we've chatted um well i've been here a year and a half so it's been over a year and a half since we we, we last did or since, since you since hijacked, hijacked my podcast i hijacked your podcast last time <laughs> so uh, there, there is no hijacking i don't know the questions so uh... <laughs> that makes two of us <laughs> well i know the title that's about it really <laughs> um yeah, the t- so I think today's one is quite important, and I just wanted to get another a pilot's experience on this. Um, one thing I, th- I think is not talked about, especially through COVID and stuff like that that we've had in the aviation community, is is skill fade. What I, I've got, I've got a definition written down here in front of me. What is your, or what what do you perceive the definition of skill fade to be? Oh, but I mean, are we going textbook or are we going just my perception of? Whatever you know, want. I don't know the textbook one. <laughs> I've got the textbook. Well, I've got, I say textbook, I've got the Google one written down. So you tell me what you think it is and I'll, I'll tell you what's written down here. Well, there's, in my mind, there's two parts to it. There's the, the physical motor skills that you lose by not doing something. If you don't drive for six months, get back in the car, the clutch control is a bit dodgy. Your perception of where you are is a bit dodgy. So that's kind of your, your motor skills. Mm. And then it's, a bit like trying to remember your times tables. If you don't practice the knowledge base that you need to fly with, then that fades as well. Yeah. Um, and I suppose if I'm sort of thinking on my feet and it's something that we've chatted about, and I know you, I have a feeling you're probably going to bring it up is sometimes we just get lazy. Yeah. We use bits of kit that stop us using those other skills. Uh, practice skills if, in in that respect Does, so so what's the textbook one what's what's the google definition so what i've got here bearing in mind i googled this at like half two this morning while i was in work <laughs> um it is the decay of ability or adaptness over a period of non-use so where i said about 15 lines that's it <laughs> yeah that's it yeah yeah definition of skill fade is the, d- the decay of ability or adaptness over a period of non-use. Yeah. And that brings us back into what you were saying, laziness and stuff. We've all got electronic kit bags now for flying. And yeah. this is where this story is going to touch, I think. But um, it's definitely Cause, one of cause the... you definitely parts. have first-hand experience of this, don't you? <laughs> yeah, more, more recently than, than most people. Um, it, yeah, with, 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 uh, for, for, for those listening, I've, I've recently upgraded my, my MPPL with a microlight rating to having a um, simple single engine aircraft rating on it. And to do that, oh. you have to do, <laughs> don't be jealous, <laughs> um, <laughs> but to do that, you have to effectively do a PPL skills test for it, which took me by a bit of surprise because most of the courses I've done so far up to this moment had been all signed off for instructors. So when I was asked to turn Sky Demon off, 
and do a general navigation test. No, Your sorry. brain went navigational oh. skills test. My brain went, sorry, what I have to navigate by map again. And it's I've had a license 10 years and I probably haven't navigated by map for five of those 10 years. So now I've been asked to to get to a certain point with just a map, compass, and stopwatch. And and pilot skill. And pilot skill. And it it yeah, it was it was quite scary. The um the underlying tone of your voice and for those who don't realize that the night before are you okay if we talk about this yeah of course yeah the, the night before mikey's um navigational skills test we spent about three and a half hours trying to upload old skills into mikey's brain of you know when you look out that window you forget there's a there's an electronic device in front of you that has a magenta line everyone loves a magenta line however forget the magenta line there's a rough compass heading. What are you seeing over the combing? And, and that's what's happened was that you got so used to flying by an electronic device that I just follow the line. The line will take me to wherever I've theoretically put the correct destination in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, wrong airport, etc. But actually, is everything I'm seeing in front of me correct? And actually, you don't bother because the line is there. Now, if I'm going to say pull up a sandbag moment, when I learned to fly in 1996 to do my navigational flying, buying a, a Garmin Pilot 3 with vague black and white lines um, was the cost of half a year's flying. So I didn't bother. I couldn't afford a GPS system. I literally flew by chart because it was <laughs> the cheaper option of actually flying my chart. And in the paramotoring world, that, I did it again. You, you're flying so slowly, you can see the features. So that's it. And the one thing as well that hit me, I like just talked about flying slowly and stuff. My first kind of navigational proper exercise in a Cessna 172 doing 100 knots. I'm used to pootling around a 65, 70 knots. All of a sudden, you're adding what, 20 knots on or 30 knots onto that. And everything happens a lot quicker. It's like my, yeah. my route that I was given for my exam. Well, I'm sure 60 to 100 is, is 40, but yeah. I said 70, though. 65 to 70. You said 65. All right, I'll let you off. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, um, there's another point to that, was trying to get Mikey to be able to do mental, um, quick and dirty mental maths, wasn't it? That was it. Yeah, yeah. Skill failure is finest right there. Yeah. But yeah, my, my, my examiner had given me a route that went from Kitty Hawk Aerodrome up to... Um, what's that town in Kent? Uh, it'll, it'll come to me, but it was it was a town in Kent. Um, and then I had to spin round there and fly back to another point, and then uh, come back down. And Buell Water, uh, the big reservoir, was kept in the middle of this the whole time. Um, fantastic feature. Yeah, yeah, I found that <laughs> out. And then the other thing that helped. So when we were chatting for three and a half hours, like before, we were looking at the map and we had everything. Maidstone, that was it. We had to do Kitty Hawk to Maidstone. And um, one of the things was you were saying, there's a nice big, long, straight railway there with a power, it being intercepted by power lines and they're nice and straight. So you should always be on your own. I thought, like, oh yeah. And that actually came in handy because when I got to Maidstone and swung around onto my next projection the examiner said where's buell water i went oh well it's over there and you went okay if i was to say to you where is um such and such where would that be and i'd be like okay well i'm gonna look down and i looked down and there was a perfectly straight railway just like it said on the map 
and power lines. <laughs> and I went, well, such and such will be over there. And he went, okay, divert me to there. And because I was able to distinguish the, the features on the ground from looking at the map, um, it was one of them things where it was like, oh, okay, I can, I can see that now. Now I'm going to go turn this heading. Yeah, when you are flying by Sky Demon or Forflight or whatever, because it tells you where you are, you're not actually pulling the features off to go, that's where I am. No. You are just going, I know where I am because that's telling me where I am. And I can't, and you're having to almost work harder. And this is why I come back to the, the sort of skill fade, insert the word, become comfortably lazy, that you aren't able to pick the features off or go, that's where they intersect. That's what I'm looking for. Because then if, and uh, and I'm uh, digressing to a very old story, a friend of mine used to be um, a QHI on helicopters in the military and they'd be flying along and he just turned the GPS off, <laughs> just blank the screen out, turn it off. Where are you? And they're, they're at like hundred feet flying at, you know, wow. 100, 100 knots, 140 knots with no GPS, low level terrain hugging on chart. <laughs> <laughs> just to go that's what could happen you could be in a gps jam situation where you have no electronic systems to back up and tell you where you are you are flying by chart and uh, and this is kind of where that's good so if i could lean back into that and go now that you've passed your navx has that changed the way that you are now flying subsequently to that um yeah yeah i think it is i think I'm still using Sky Demon. Like I, I never actually held my hands up and said, "Oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to bin the Sky Demon and just just use chart." Um, but I think what it has done is, is if my examiner was telling me that just twice he's had Sky Demon failure and one of them was going through the overhead of Gatwick, uh, nice. which, which you want to be kind of pretty bang on with. Um, and he he was telling me that you know it was the map and skills thing that that pulled up, I pulled him out of it. So I think from hearing that and seeing what navigating with a map is like, I think I'd use Sky Demon, but I would take more um, heed to the references on the ground also. That way, if we did have Sky Demon failure, I can pull out a map and go, right, that's that's the feature I can see there. That's where I am. Continue. Because I can give you, um, again, this is all about stories and experience, and it's that experiential learning type thing where uh, someone I knew was flying from one airport to another. They were returning an aircraft. And the magenta line was following this railway line, but it had put them on the left-hand side of the feature. Okay. So if you're following the left-hand rule where you keep the feature on your left, he's now got the feature on his right. Yeah. So he's now put himself head-to-head with someone that's keeping that feature on their left because the magenta line has actually put them naturally in conflict with any traffic that's flying um, VMC with the yeah. feature on their left. So following the magenta line on Sky Demon, it can actually become dangerous because you're not noticing the features that you're on. Yeah. And so well, he went, oh, right, it's keep pulling me left. I, I don't care. I'm going to ignore Sky Demon. I'm going to move off to the right by a mile to keep clear. <laughs> I know where I am, but it's going to keep trying to pull him left. Um, and, and that's where I think, you've got to look outside of the electronic systems and go, I need to be safe. This is helping me, but it's not my primary. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing with that is as well, is that your head is a lot 
in the, in the aircraft rather than outside the aircraft. Um, but it's funny you should mention like the VMC stuff because that's when your head is in the aircraft. Because I remember when I did my A320 stuff, um, Paul, God bless him, and test his patience. Um, his my my first. You like, testing someone's patience? Right, never. Yeah, funny enough, yeah. Um, for, for like to digress slightly, but yeah, poor old Paul um, was in the left seat of the Airbus sim when I did a landing into Madeira that he described as probably the worst Airbus landing he's ever done. And when I landed it, he said that there's a good chance we're probably all dead. So that made me laugh. But um, he, but why uh, was that? What what what? Had- what sequence of events had made that the worst landing? He put me going into Madeira with 35 gusting 40 crosswind. Okay. And um, I forgot to flare. <laughs> so you arrived rather than like, flared to land. It was a con- I, w- I was going to say it was a controlled crash. It wasn't controlled because when I did flare, nothing happened. Right. So, so the words "it was firm" were were subtle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. <laughs> but going back to to what I said about this is like, there is loads of different types of flying. Again, you could tie this into the skill fade side of it. Is you gonna keep at forty thousand feet or thirty thousand feet, whatever it is? I kept looking out the window, and he's like, "What are you looking out there for?" It's like, "There's nothing out there." get your head back in the jet. So you do have, like you said, if you're following those rules, you do have someone who could be doing an IFR practice or something like that with their head in the aircraft rather than outside. So it's easier to follow them rules. But again, that's another kind of skill set. Yeah. Yeah. They've got the foggies on with somebody else as a safety pilot, but yeah, they're, they're trying to, you know, run the six pack and keep themselves on the, on, on task as it were. Uh, but going back to your definition of, of skill fade and it, it comes across in a lot of things and something that I've had drummed into me recently is if you start someone, if you start your journey of aviation with a high level of airmanship, a high level of knowledge, there will be a drop. Yes. But if you don't get them high enough to start with, that drop is even lower to become what you could almost deem unsafe. And we always joke about the bucket full of luck. We change a bucket full of luck for a bucket full of experience. But if you pull the wrong experience in and don't start high enough, you're still riding on a bucket foot. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I was always I was always trained for the thing of you have a bucket full of luck and a bucket full of experience, and you need to fill the experience bucket before the um the luck bucket runs out. Yeah. I've not heard that. That's quite a nice one, actually. So. Yeah. Right, I think we've done that one to death. <laughs> what was your next question? <laughs> it was a good one, that. But I think you go on to like any any skill fair. So we're talking about it in this nav thing of electronic flight equipment and stuff like that. It can be done at anything, like practice force landings. How many times does the average Joe actually practice a force landing? If I remove my current line of employment, not very often. <laughs> exactly. Because it's like I'm going flying. Let's say I'm I'm taking someone flying and I want to go down the coast. Um, you go down the coast, you have fun, you come back, you land. There's no point where you're like, oh, I'm going to go and do a practice. And the same with stalls and stuff. Now, I know a couple of people, when, when you first get your license, you go, oh, yeah, let's go do a stall. But when you've got a mission to go from A to B, they're not mm. things that you'd be thinking of. And then you don't do them. 
and that's the thing you because most people they want to go on a mission from a to b and this is where it comes in of how many times yeah i i for one i'm first to put my hand up is i don't practice them enough and i found that out with my with my gst for um for yeah. this uh thing now i managed i managed to get to get by which was good um which, was which it a squeaky bum moment or did you feel in control um, of it so I'll, I'll tell i'll tell you a story on one of them um on on the the test was was we did we did a, a pfl and i found a really nice field and i just turned onto what would say finally a bit too soon and i said to the examiner oh I've mucked this up. And he went, in a real world situation, what would you do? And I said, well, I would throw the flaps away and I'd sidestep. She can't sideslip the Cessna with flaps down. And uh, I said, I'd throw away the flaps and sideslip. He said, we'll do it. So I threw away the flaps, sideslipped it, boom, we went round. He said, we're going to try that again. Because he said, you'd have got in there had you have just done that instead of telling me you fudged it up. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, and that's... That's the thing as well. It's great to have someone else's perspective who does it all the time. And being an examiner and instructor, he does it all the time. Yeah. And the the way I've started to nurture people's way of thinking is that you're flying along and there's a town in front of you. So the way I've started to sort of um, nurture people's way of thinking is that when, when we teach forced landings, and I say, I don't want this to be about that, teaching people and, and stories of, of teaching people but the way it comes across in my mind especially from the paramotoring and the sub 70 where you know, always thing it's not it's not an if it's a when the engine's going to fail we get so reliant on on four strokes etc i predominantly fly two strokes so i'm always thinking my engine's going to quit if it's going to quit i want to be in the correct position so if i'm flying towards a town and that town is quite big I'm going to obviously bias to one side because I'm generally not going to be that high. I'm going to be about two, maybe two and a half thousand feet. And so by going, if I have an engine failure, where would I want to be? Mm. Not flying the magenta line, flying where, fly situationally. Um, And without sounding like a bunch of memes, never fly yourself into a corner with no outs. And I see it all the time that people fly past towns. And even if you look at the, the Skyway code, you, say, you cannot assume a park is a, is a suitable landing spot because <laughs> it's got people in it. Um, and so give yourself a wide berth. Give yourself the opportunity to walk away. Yeah. And so um, oh, I keep forgetting the astronaut's name. And, uh, and I use this one. So the superior pilot uses his, uses his superior judgment to avoid using his superior skill. So if you make good decisions, you don't need to be a brilliant pilot. So roll that back is making good decisions on where you are going to have your engine out. Um, and Mark said to me a while ago, um, set a timer on your phone, 10 minutes. Set it on your phone. You don't know when it's going to happen. So the timer will go off in your headset. That's your engine failure. Okay. And, and it really does focus the mind then of going, well, I know roughly when 10 minutes is going to happen, but when it goes, that's it. What's your immediate reaction? Bar back. Yeah. You know, um, and I know we've had phone call, phone conversations about immediate responses, but this is that part that you're leading to about skill fade. Yeah. You, we do it in a car because people stall cars. And the first thing you do, if you drive a manual car is clutch in, that's got to be the response because airspeed is, is control. If you don't have airspeed, you don't have control. Uh, sitting there 
on climb out, engine failure. Well, the first thing you've got to do is bar back. You've got to get that nose down. People start going, uh, 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 don't know what to do. That immediate response has to be ingrained. And this yes. is where you're saying, about, when was the last time you practiced an engine failure? When was the last time you practiced one on a climb out? Yeah, well, two weeks ago during my test. Yeah, ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> Prior to two weeks ago on your climb out, uh, on, your, on your test, when was the last time you did one? It would probably be my biannuals. Yeah, because that is the instructor going, I need to make sure that you're doing that you have the correct response 24 months between checks yeah is that enough no definitely not and i'm first to put my hand up and say it but i know i'm not the only one in that boat yeah uh and because i'm not saying doing it all the time it it certainly dials my brain into going where am i going to go what if the so what and what if if this happens um and we become lackadaisical we we do become a bit lazy excuse me, uh, in the way that we fly, because yeah. it's, it becomes logical. Yeah. Um, you, do you just piece all this back together again in the I area? do, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with, with what you're saying there. And uh, again, it's, it's not something that I'm proud to say of, but it's like that thing. I've, I've, I, when I take off, I'm usually going on a mission. Mm. And um, I, it, it's to get from A to B, and at no point do I factor in any times to go up and practice a stall or go up and do a thing no i you, do you you the aircraft you're now flying is removing you from what i call the, the the bimble you don't just go up for a bimble now do you no because it's too costly to go for a bimble whereas yeah. actually if you go right i want to take a check pilot with me i'm going to go and put myself in the i'm going to go and do stalls today i'm going to go and do pfls i'm going to test myself when was the last time i oh, that was it um, when was the last time you did a 45 degree or 60 degree bank turn and you're not allowed to use your air, air <laughs> I'm sure that'll be a future future podcast for those, those I was going to say the stuff that I've been doing in the aerobatic thing is 45 yeah, degrees yeah, ignore and 60 that. Ignore is quite that. tame ignore um, that do you know what I did that quite a bit especially in a C42 when I had the passengers I see that was kind of like my show off thing so we in had the this party piece yeah yeah we, we, we had this um route that we would do we fly down the Cookmere River and I fly follow the Cookmere River and it leads out into the uh, into the sea at the, the end of this and I would do a left hand turn and follow it down to Eastbourne and go around Beachy Head but when I'd get to the turn that we'd have to make I'd usually flick it up into a 60 degree and pull around the around that turn and then that would be that little were, were you nice and actually pre-warn your passenger you were going to do this because clearly you had done your hustle I... check before you did that I did with L. I pre-warned her. The other stuff I did was quite silent, and I was like, "Right, we're gonna we're gonna go to the left here," and you could yeah. see people sat there like going, "That turn is coming up pretty, pretty soon," and he just go because <laughs> <laughs> clearly above forty-five degrees, it's deemed an air, you know, an, an advanced or extreme maneuver. So you do your hassle yeah. check before you do that every time you do it, don't you? Yeah, yeah, and I love I love the abbreviated version of the hassle check. You know what it is. Which is that hell? Hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So your you five minutes is up, right? I need to do a bridge one. So height is good. En- yeah, engine uh, is all good. Location, look out, it's still current. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, and it, yeah, it's. Uh, but yeah, they, they they were like my bread and butter. They were the fun bits, and I think mm. doing that, it kind of, I would say, I, I describe it as doing like where people describe gateway drugs. You start doing that, and you start pulling two G, and you think. 
well, this is a bit addictive. And then uh, that <laughs> that's kind of led on to being halfway through my aerobatic rating, but we'll talk about yeah. that at a different time. I, I can only relate to doing full nose down spirals in a paramotor, and then moving into what they call a sat. Now it's a, it's a change of rotation from a nose down spiral to a low G rotation that rotates back the other way. And SAT stands for safety acro team. What an ironic <laughs> oxymoron. I've done I mean, it with an aerobatic a, maneuver by the safety acro team. I've done it with, with a parachute and you open your parachute and then you stick it into one of them and the pendulum yeah. effect you swing out and you pull about two, two and a half G in that spiral. Yeah. yeah doing a paramotor, I've grayed. I've oh grayed. God. So I know that if I'm graying, I'm close to five, five and a half G. Wow. And that comes on rapidly. Yeah, about a second, second and a half. You're at five and a half G. Rather than you so, than me, because even with the Urbanic course, I most I do is three and a half to four. Yeah. So I don't even need to G strain at that. And I know that, but I can't tell you how I know that. I told you have to kill you. <laughs> um, but if you didn't but, practice that, that would be called skill fed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you build up to it. You know, you do it to a, a low nose and then you do a, a more, um, more advanced um, pull. And then you get full nose down and then hold it in a nose down. And it's always worrying when you let both brakes up and you're still in a full nose down spiral coming down at 20 meters per second going, this ain't coming out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Opposite weight shift, opposite brake. And then it slowly comes out. And then hopefully you come out with enough enough reduction rate that you don't just go skyward. with, with. It's effectively like spinning an aircraft. Yeah. But okay. without without it, it's not spinning because both sides are pressurized. You haven't okay. stalled one size to enter the spin. Yeah. It's a it's a spiral dive at 20 meters per second. So if you start at 4,000, you burn off three, well, you start 3,000, you burn that height off quite quickly. And I always wow. used to have a, a safety base of 1,000 feet. So whenever I was doing any kind of maneuvers or spirals or et cetera, or barrel rolls, barrel rolling a paramotor is really cool. Um, I'd rather not though, because if you don't pull enough G, you're going to f- tumble into it. You, 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 um, was it gift wrap yourself? Yeah. So, yeah. I, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I'd always set a safety base, but we're, I know we're digressing away from the skill phase, but it, it is valid in, in that if you're not used to these maneuvers, you don't just yeah. suddenly go into it. Well, this is the thing. I think we could sit here and talk about any, any bit of flying and skill fake can come into it because the whole thing and um, what I've done doing my research for this podcast and everything is and obviously with what 10 years experience, you've got loads of experience of flying as well. Everything we do, it, it's a perishable skill, just flying in general. If you put it into category one, it's a peri- perishable skill all around. I mean, I look back to when I started gliding. I mean, I've worked out this year, I've been flying for nearly 30 years and I started when I was 14 in gliders. And one of the maneuvers I loved doing in gliders was spinning. Yeah. And most people go, what? It's dangerous. No, a stable spin is actually quite a nice descent technique. If you're up at five, 6,000 feet and you need to get down, or I'm just sit there for 15 minutes with the air brakes open, just spin the height off. Yeah. And it's actually a very, very stable, safe way of coming down. It's not a spiral. It's not increasing anything. It just sits there bobbing itself and rotating around and around and around and coming down. I used to love it. You know, you get, but it was what the maneuver where you get low and slow and people try and skid the aircraft in and squeeze themselves back onto the airfield that would kill many, many pilots because Mm. they weren't practiced at it. And again, one thing I miss was actually spinning, Um, but it goes back to that skill trade. It's, I was quite surprised to find out that in, I don't think any training course in the UK 
no, that's I, I've misphrased that. I don't think any ab initio training course in the UK offers spinning. Um, you do spin awareness, but you don't do spinning. So when my my first aerobatic lesson before we went on to loops and rolls and stuff was let's go and spin the airplane and see what it does. And yeah. um, I like you, I really enjoyed it, and it was yeah. a, it's a great tool to the to the toolbox to have. And I'm trying to think where my brain was going with that in in the most yeah that was it it was so 96 was when they stopped doing spin as part of ppl it was a spin prevention so yeah. you got close to it the wing was going and you, you immediately recovered whereas in the gliding world spin 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 all day long yeah um i don't think the year 96 was was the foot but when i did my ppl 96 they said we no longer cover spinning and when you look at the mppl syllabus uh, exercise 11 there is no exercise 11 because that used to be spinning or spin okay. awareness and so exercise 11 has been removed from the current syllabus wow that's why most most um it's quite hard to enter a spin with a microlite mm. and actually Do you know what? it's build... quite hard to get the the cessna spinning as well you had to the way we did it was um and i didn't do it quick enough one day and she didn't spin um is you got you got to 60 knots and then you had to put full rudder and pull at the same time and then she might be like so flick entry yeah and then even at that point doing that she might be like eh, yeah go on i'll spin and i did it a few <laughs> times where i didn't do it quick enough and she was like mm, nah i'm just gonna do a no. kind of a wing over thing <laughs> <laughs> but you are flying a cessna and uh and, yeah. and they are just you, you can fly in a suit in a Cessna and not, not get stressed about it, can't you? Yeah, exactly. And my instructor always said, he said one thing, he mm. said, you can do spin awareness in a Cessna all day long. He said, but it's the most easiest thing to get over spin. I didn't even put opposite rudder in at one of them. You let, just let, let go, go of centralized controls. Goes, yeah. <laughs> like, Standard okay. spin recovery. Yeah. yeah. Centralized controls, add power, get it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, whereas apparently the slings be firefly. Um, and again, this ties into skill fail because if you're not up to date with the spinning, um, but the Slingsby, apparently you can put opposite rudder in and it takes a couple of seconds or a couple of rotations before it actually reacts to it. And that's yeah. where it's like, if you weren't aware of this, as to say, um, mm. you could think about, you could make it worse by putting more rudder in and, and just, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a wonderful phrase I, I seem to have uh, been using more and more and it's, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And people go, you know, they'll fly flight sim and go, oh, it does this. And so actually standard spin recovery on some aircraft is is got nuances like the firefly that you need to be right wait yeah and so if you're still descending at a rapid rate of knots a thousand two thousand feet per minute you're gonna recording in progress <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad i caught that as well on this <laughs> Oh dear, that's really bad, isn't it? Yeah. For those of you listening, by the way, I don't know if you guys can hear it, or it's just me and Giles, but when you hit recording on a on, on Zoom, it, it gives this like fake American woman's voice. And uh, that was Giles' impression of it. <laughs> a really bad impression at that. Um, so as we were so rudely interrupted by uh, Zoom not giving us long enough, uh, let, let's let's carry on. Um, but the going back to again. We, we skill fades is i suppose if we ignore the i mean we talk we, we could talk about every aspect of aviation can't we yes but um one thing of the exams 
especially on the MPPL side. I don't want to say he's given lip service, but human performance and limitations or the human aspect of understanding flight is what causes most problems. Yes, it's mainly pilot um, error. And it's pilot error because they don't understand fully what's going on around them. Oh, that's weird looking at it. Um, so someone, so where I used to fly in the Southwest, I fly on a hill. So the aspect and visuals of landing is different to when I fly up in Derbyshire, which has got a lovely long flat runway. The first time I landed, I was like, I can't land here because the whole aspect, the whole visuals were different. Yeah. I had visual skill fade of understanding, but when you look at the human performance, an inclined runway is different from a runway that's pointing down. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, so suddenly you're in this whole perspective change. And when I flew to Compton Abbas, which is massive compared to anything I've flown on, the width threw me. Yeah, do you because, know what? You're not the first person to say this. Um, and so I had to develop or readjust the way I now land that removes all of that. And so you kind of have to stop yourself looking at width and just look at the other end of the runway, which is really, really hard to do when for 70 years you're looking at different bits. Um, and now I have a very different perspective in that I've normally got a head in front of me. So I can only use the, the width of the runway to, uh, to work out where I am in perspective. But all these little um, aspects of flying, we never stop learning. Uh, yeah. And I think it's off the back of our last phone call. So I was right on ground school notes. A good pilot never stops learning. And I think you, what did you say? I said, the moment I stop learning is the moment I stop flying. Uh, that's it. Yeah. And my dad always said the same. And I was always brought up my dad, my dad, obviously people who listen to podcasts regularly, and you know, I'll know, know like how big my dad is in the aviation community and stuff. And he absolutely loves it. But one of his things was he's, he's always safety, safety, safety. And one of his things was if you, if you stop learning and get complacent, you got to stop doing the sport because you're going to do something dangerous. Mm. And I completely and that, agree with him. Yeah. I used to fly with, uh, when I was a teenager, when I was gliding, there was a, a chap called Chris Pollard. And I think at the time he was ranked fourth um, UK aerobatic glider pilot. The only glider pilot I knew that used to fly with earplugs because when he used to pull 6G in a, in a glider, the rivets would pop and he'd go deaf. So, um, what? Exactly. And <laughs> he, he said to me, if you get into an aircraft, and you're not nervous, and I don't mean nervous as in like shaking or anything, conscious about what you're about to do, then get out because you will make mistakes. You'll become complacent. Yes. And that to, that to me was a fundamental, that stuck with me for the forever that I sort of have to do that checkbox moment. I, I've got into an aircraft or I'm lined up on the runway. Right. I'm about to fly now. Yeah, you know, and everyone says is is aviation safe, and it's whether it's a digression of of, of uh, skill fate, but aviation isn't safe. Yeah, but what we do is train ourselves to cope with the situations that present us. Uh, so it might be, I'm not going to fly today because the lapse rates through the roof. Mm. You know, it's going to be unsafe. I've got towering CBs around me. I'm going to land. You know, um, that's all three three strikes thing that aircraft is playing up. I've forgotten that. And I've forgotten this, right. Get out, go away, go home. Yeah. Try another day. Um, but the press on itis 
is generally what causes people problem problems because they're not conscious of the mistakes that they're making because they need to get as you said i fly from a to b well actually forget b if you get there brilliant winner actually i need to work out everything along that route yeah and this drills all the way back down to where we started this sort of podcast of the fundamental skills that keep you safe knowing where you are yeah that big river that big um reservoir to my right power lines roads where am i fundamental basics we forget yeah and now we're we're now flying on luck more than knowledge does that does that sort of sound like a good parallel no yeah yeah it doesn't sound like it's somewhere you want to be though um and that's the thing where i think yeah, grab an instructor every so often I'm, I'm very lucky where my my best mate is an instructor um and my other best mate is a very experienced pilot yeah and i i have a wealth of knowledge to pull in there and you know both of them love flying as equally so i'm never stuck for someone to go in the right seat which is fantastic mm. and it's great to have them there every so often to be like mikey why, why are you doing that for and i'm going i don't know you tell me <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah it's it's it, it's it's a really good kind of way to to look at it that way as someone's different perspective of throwing them into the right seat like someone of, of say that stature i've been seeing what their take on it is yeah um and it's, it's been really really interesting from for myself on my current journey and again this isn't about me but just the exposure you have is what allows you to go i can do this better yeah, yeah. even though where i'm at i'm never stopping learning every time I fly with somebody else, I'm learning probably as much as they are because they don't know what they don't know. I've got to articulate, you know, we've done the board brief and we're going out to fly it, but actually they'll always present something back to me Mm. and I'll lodge that and go, ah, yeah, I'll feed that back in. So I never, I never want to stop learning. Um, and I think that's that's why many people go down the instructor route is because they actually want to learn more, yeah. Um, as well as help other people share the joy of aviation. But again, but skill fade is is what I think is the root cause of most accidents. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And you re- you can read AIB you know, parts of the cows come home, and it'll all be pilot judgment stuff like that. And again, if you were up up to date and and quite good with skill skills and thinking and quite making quick reactions and stuff um mm. but you said if your engine fails you don't have that f- full push the yoke down or pull the bar in um mm. that's not your natural reaction your natural reaction is to sit and go uh, uh, a you've lost time b now you've got you're in a nose attitude nose up attitude with no power and that stall's coming and then as well if you haven't practiced the stall every it's it's a swiss cheese module is aligning here because you've missed one thing um of your skills yeah yeah and i suppose the biggest question and 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 there you put this at the beginning is how do you stop it we're all subject to it but how do you prevent skill fade i would say first thing would be is to admit yeah i I don't practice this a X, Y, and Z enough. And then go out, go out and practice it. Take, take, take five, 10 minutes of a, of a flight that you've done. Um, and just allow factor in some time to go, to go and practice that. Cause all well and good saying, do we have skill fade? And, and, and we jokingly said, yes, end the, end the podcast. Yeah. Cool. Finish the podcast. And, and, there. <laughs> yeah. But it, but 
I, I look at it and go, well, the so what is, yes, we all suffer from it, but how do we prevent it? And yeah. I think that's either get your head back in the books, yeah. uh, go back to ground school. And it's not an admission of, of how many, how many qualified pilots do you think would actually go, do you know what? I'll go back and do my ground school again. Yeah, I don't think there's many. No, well, we, we've, we've seen a few, but it's, it's interesting that those that want to go back and want to learn and become a better pilot. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so that's, I suppose that is a big question. How do you prevent it? And I, and I don't think I've even got the answer to that one. Uh, I, I don't I think there is, I don't think there's a definitive one, is there? I would say practice it and because practice what? Say, practice makes, well, whatever you think that you're, you're down. I know, I know flying is one big perishable skill, but mm. it comes down mm. to I, my ones, my, my two ones were navving by map and PFL. Yeah. And there are two things now that if, let's say I was going to Headcorn for lunch and I had Ben or Sheldon sat in the right seat, I might get them to use Skybeam and I might take 10, 15 minutes to get myself Headcorn via map. Or I might say to them, right, your throttle, give me an engine failure whenever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's how I would mitigate it anyway. Uh, yeah. But again, is that like, is that in light of, I know we've been sort of planning this podcast for a while, but is that in light of this podcast, you think, or in light of your uh, recent NAV and GST on the SEP? Um, I think it was good. Do you know what? I was always the first to put my hands up beforehand and say, uh, PFLs, I never practice enough. Now, I, I kind of, I lean on this a bit too much, but I had a real situation back in 2014 where I needed to get myself a passenger and an aircraft back on the ground under no power. Mm. Um, and I got myself over. So there's a bit in my head that's like, oh, you've done it. You'd be grand. But it's not. The, the awakener of that was, um, no, no, it's not grand. I'm flying different airplanes. I'm flying different characteristics of airplanes. What I was flying back then, I wasn't flying nowhere. Mm. Not even in the same category. One was an AX3, and now it's 172s and 152s. <laughs> um, is it an AX3, you just you just fly to the ground, don't you? You just point oh, at the ground. It that's it, the yeah. Everything's yeah. done at 50. You take Except off land. an AX3 with no engine, you've got to get to 75. Well, one thing, gone a bit digressing here, but one thing I found about the AX3 with no power is you have engaged brick mode. And instead of looking at a field <laughs> over there where you would in training, it's like a helicopter on a rotation. Like, oh yeah, there's a there's a field where we're going in there. Cool. Yeah. I've no I've I've no say about this. We've got an AX two thousand that a guy's flying at uh, at Darley Moor, and and that's pretty much does everything at sixty, except when you've got an engine failure because to get any any airflow over the control so you've got to do at least seventy five. So it's like nose down, point in the ground. Yeah, yeah, and they're just so draggy and drafty. Though I love that I got about fifteen. They, they make flex hours. wings look look streamlined, don't they? Really. And this was the thing, like if we there was another airfield away from us, um, usually it would only be about a fifteen minute flight. Um, hmm. But if we were going there for breakfast, I had to go 45 minutes before everyone else <laughs> to, to get there. And even at that point, my dad still went past me at one point, waving as he did as he went past. In a flex wing. In a flex wing, in a tanner, yeah. <laughs> and there's me sat there with my Rotax 5A2 going, yeah, I'm thinking I'm doing great. And, you know, yeah. trying to riff, yeah, this is great. And, Flying by your feet, literally. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was a real stick and rudder airplane. Um, yeah. But 
again, yeah, I was I I relied on that situation too much, and then it was coming up to the GSC where I was practicing some of these things where I was like, I need to stop. I need to stop cashing that in on that one and and. You've talked about a lot of people, you know, we're practicing engine failures and you're the worst person to give your own engine failure because you'll go, oh, I could get in there. So you just go engine failure or I'm going there. And actually you do need that stop clock of I'm going to fly along. And at some point my phone is going to beep in my headset and go, you've had an engine failure. Yeah. Or you need a a P2 to close it, close the throttle on you and go, right, land. And you go, oh would I have walked away from that? And then that was what I was trying to articulate earlier is if I plan my flight better, not just flying the magenta line, fly the route that is going to keep me safe. Yeah. I still know I'm going in the right direction. Mm. And then you see far too many people, especially in the paramount fly too low. Where's your out? Yeah. Where is your out? Where are you going? Which corner? Frank Borman was the astronaut. I always forget his name. Ah, yeah, you've mentioned him before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Frank Borman. But it's it's a great way of sort of going, if I make good decisions, if I make good decisions, I'm not going to, uh, what was it? Um, die. <laughs> I'm not going to die. <laughs> oh, Bob Hoover. Bob Hoover's got another another one that um, I remember Jim Greenshields, my first flex wing instructor, saying to me, he said, fly as far into the crash as you can. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've heard my dad say that. Yeah, and that's actually from Bob Hoover, uh, because while you're still flying, you're still making decisions. The moment you stop, you're, you've you just resigned yourself to, to whatever it is. So, well, that's the thing that they say, like, indecision is the thing that'll kill you. Make a decision, be it good or bad, but you've mm. made a decision, and 90% of the time, some, yeah. it's going to have an okay outcome, because yeah. you've made a decision. But if you and just the, sit there holding in hand and be like, oh, what field am I taking? Or, oh, do I want to recover on the stall horn or not? And next thing you know, it just snowballs because you haven't acted in time. And, and the irony is people think making a decision is doing something. Sometimes the decision can be, I'm making a decision to not do something. I'm going to wait. Yes. Caging the chimp, the they called it in, in BA when I was there. Say again? Uh, caging the chimp, they called it in BA. When something went ping, uh, you were to sit there for a second ago, instead of just reacting instantly, but like, okay, why has it done it? And what else is it affecting? I've not heard that one, caging the chimp. It's basically yeah, trying to stop like a million chimp just grabs everything and goes for it. Um, <laughs> whereas if we cage the chimp and sit on your hands to say, it's a bit like, ping. You've got, okay. you've got so many leading lines now, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so many hooks for the video. So caging the chimp. <laughs> Oh dear! I wish I could remember that, that that one line about the astronaut is one I keep forgetting all the time. It's like I know the phrase, I can never remember who says it, and then suddenly about fifteen minutes later, like that, ding, pop. Uh, Frank Borman. We can talk about skill fade on a number of levels, even down to correct taxiing. How often do you put your controls into wind? Mm. You know, a whole raft of bits and pieces. But actually, how do we prevent it? Yeah, and I think. The, the, if we if we were to sort of sum it up, this is where the check flight comes in. Yeah. Put yourself in stress and use the check flight with you know, the hour with the instructor and go, right, I don't just want to do coordinated turns. I can do that in my own time. Put me in odd situations that is going to stretch me. Yeah. And most of the time that is forced landings because it'll be right engine failure. Oh, great. You know, yeah. uh, there is that half second, but in half a second, you lose a lot of airspeed. Um, but a lot of people don't 
I suppose it's that I don't want to have to pay for time with the instructor or they're almost fearful of, of that time with an instructor. And it's like, well, you're never going to learn if you don't fly with other people. If you can't no, exactly. fly within your bubble, you never, you, you, your bubble is always going to shrink, isn't it? We talk about the, the knowledge base of bubble. Actually, let's, let's expand that knowledge bubble um, and skill bubble by yeah. stretching yourself. Exactly. I completely agree with that. Um, and yeah, that's, I think that's the best way of dealing with, with skill fade is, is like you said, go and get, your, get out of your comfort zone. Go and stop being comfy. Be comfy with being uncomfortable. Yeah. And I suppose you, we could lead this into your next podcast, which is maybe where I do come and interview you again about your experiences of aerobatic flying. Yes, I'd be as much as we sort of touched on it today. It's, it's just the basics, but actually you're now stretching your skill level, your skill bubble to say for one of a term by actually going and developing your skills again. You know, you've, you've gone from three axis microlites to SEP and now you're going to, uh, to aerobatic styling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good idea. Mikey McMahon, smoke on, go. <laughs> Banking left now. <laughs> Just a disclaimer, I have not joined the Red Arrows for anyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> They're down a few pilots, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I know. They offered it to me. I said, no, I have to give the other guys a chance. <laughs> <laughs> you spat my D out there. <laughs> anyway, I said, I think we've done this one to death. but I uh, think so. Uh, and hopefully the listeners have, have got something useful from this. Um, but I think I definitely, it's nice to stay on another pilot and talk about what I've experienced and what you've experienced. And, and again, putting it in that pot of knowledge, which I think this yeah. podcast was mainly aimed at. Yeah, cool. Never, never stop learning. No, the day that you do, learning. give in your license. Yeah, cool. All right. Charles, thank you very much. Until next time. Will do. Talk to you then. <laughs> Take If you have indeed enjoyed this episode, please go back and have a listen to some other ones if you're new here. If not, please subscribe, leave a review. It all is appreciated. We've got a really cool one. As you've probably heard in that episode, I have started my aerobatic rating and we will be talking about that next with some cool guests on. But thank you for your time and listening to this. It is really much appreciated and I'll see you at the next podcast.